Father God, bless his sharing this time, these words and things that are spoken, Father God, that this is for your glory, your purpose. This is not about Raven Whitehawk. This is not about me, Father God. This is about to glorify you, to help others to understand, to bring people into knowledge, Father, the knowledge that you share with me, that you give to me to get to others. You bless me to bless others, Father God, to remind them that this is about you and that without you flowing through me, the conduit, that's all I am, Father God. This is not about me. It's about them, the opportunity for them to hear they that have ears let them hear father god then you pour out your understanding your knowledge to them thank you father god for your love thank you for the opportunity thank you for your leading yahweh haman yashua aman barakritos haman thank you brothers and sisters how are you this fine, glorious morning. So you heard me say a couple names, and I'm going to share uh, a few on this listing. And Yahweh, the Father God, that was the first permissive name that he gave his people that they could call him. Adonai, Sovereign God. You can find an example of that in Genesis 15, 2 and 8. El Gibor, mighty God. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. Elohika, Lord my God. Exodus 22. Elohinu, Lord our God. Psalm 99, 5, 8, and 9. Elohim, eternal creator. Genesis 1, 1. Elohim. Everlasting God, Genesis 21.35. El Shaddai, all-sufficient, almighty, Genesis 17.1. Ideon, most high, Genesis 14.18. Osinu, Lord my maker, Psalm 95.6. Chira, Lord my provider, Genesis 22.14. And you might have heard that name used before, Jehovah Jireh. It's a phrase that is used. Mekadishkem, Lord, my sanctifier. Exodus 31.13. Nisi, Lord, my banner. Exodus 17.16. Rafa, Lord, my healer. Exodus 15.26. Rohi, Lord, my shepherd. Psalm 23.1. Saboth, Lord of hosts. 1 Samuel 17.45. Shalom, Lord, my peace. Judges 6.24. Shama, my Lord, is present. Ezekiel 48.35. Shedkenu. Lord, my righteousness, Jeremiah 23, 6, and Jeremiah 33, 16. 
these are different names that are all used to express feelings about God and to God. But the thing that, as I look at these, these are all part of God's character. And God provides for us his love and his guidance through our faith. I'm sorry. Pardon me. But of import is what we talked about last time is prayer and faith. Prayer and faith. Prayer is important because it is our conversation with God. And it's one of the things that we keep in touch with God through our prayers. He hears us. He listens. Prayers are important to him. And as you see in the artwork that's a heading on this, you see there's a scripture that's beside the face of the lion. And I took a look at the face of that lion. And Jesus Christ, when he comes back, is referred to as the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the king. He is coming back as victor, not coming back as this baby that was born of the spirit and came into this world to be sacrificed. He was as the sacrificial lamb, but he offered to do that. But when he comes back again, he will come back as the lion, the conquering, victorious king. And the face of that lion has scars, like our Lord had scars when doubting Thomas. How do I know that you're the Lord? Maybe you're a hallucination. And then Jesus just opened up his hands and he showed him the scars there. And then he told Thomas to put his hand in the wounds because the Romans had shoved spears into his side. And the scripture that is written beside that is out of 1 Corinthians. And that is uh, 1 Corinthians 16, uh, 13. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith. Quit ye like men, be strong, let All your things be done with charity. Translation for that. We need to be watchful because the Lord is coming. We need to be watching and preparing. Stand firm, stand fast in your faith. Be faithful. Faith is important. Quit like men. Be strong because men are... And when it talks about men biblically, it talks about mankind. It talks about mammon is another biblical term that's used for man as opposed to uh, godly men. It it speaks to the reference of how men are in the world. And this is how men tend to, or how mankind tends to be. They, we need to quit being like that. And be strong and courageous. Let all your things be done with charity. Charity is not like you see some 
homeless person with a cup and then you drop some coins in the cup for them or give them a buck or two. That's not what they're talking about, charity. Charity is translated biblically as love. Do all things with love. That is important because love is important. And one of the things about God is that God is love. And without God's love, we wouldn't be able to do many of the things on this earth. Um, Honestly, that there are individuals that we might no sooner want to be around. I mean, they might have a, a stench to them. They don't dress right. And we all tend to look at and be judging of them. But God's love tells us that we can't do that. We should not do that. And we can't be like, how do we know where that person came from? How are we making this judgment against our fellow human being who is part of our family, incidentally? We don't know what got them there. What was their walk that got them to that point that they are? So love is important and God's love in us can make us change. It can alter our thought process toward individuals and everything that we do has to be done in love brothers and sisters it's important that it's all done with love and through the love of God <clears throat> and our prayers are very important to God and I touched on that last time I spoke to you that and in the book of Revelation in chapter 4 verse 8 in John's vision while he was on the island of Patmos, this vision was opened up to him on the revelation, the apocalypse, the apocalypse that is coming. And again, apocalypse only means the unveiling. <clears throat> the curtain is drawn back. Things are made apparent and real and we can we will be able to see that's all that means it's not like hollywood apocalypse uh, and and so many people talk about you know as i touched on before revelation and the and the books of the prophets are oh it's all doom and gloom how is that doom and gloom we're talking about the lord jesus christ our savior who came and sacrificed himself first of all on our behalf didn't have to do it but he stepped off of his crown and he set, or he stepped off his throne, I'm sorry, and he set down his crown and came here to be sacrificed. If that's not stepping out of your comfort zone, I don't know what is. But there's a purpose to that. And that purpose was God's love for us. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. That means that all God is asking us, and this is all God asks us to do. Believe in his son, accept Jesus Christ as your savior, and have faith. That's it, because nothing else we do is going to get us in. And the import of our prayers. Revelation 4, 8. I'm sorry, 5, 8. This is the import. And John was, was, had this vision revealed. And it's speaking to uh, an angel in heaven. And that um, they, because the angels were taking the books and they were, um, there were several, there were seven books and they, they were each open up there and each one was a step on here. And 
and let me digress here a minute up here in uh, five five it is a description and one of the elders saith unto me weep not behold the lion of the tribe of judah the root of david hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof so in this vision and there's the reference to jesus christ as a lion of the tribe of judah and then down in verse eight I was uh, speaking to this. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and 20 elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Never speaking of saint in the singular, always about the saints, plural. We are the saints, the followers, the believers of Jesus Christ, Lord King and God our Father, we are the saints. When we pray, the prayers are kept in golden vials. They're like a sweet incense to God. And vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. They're a sweet incense to our Father. Our Father loves us to pray and talk with him. And that's all prayer is is a conversation to God. <clears throat> That's what it's about. And <clears throat> we talk about prayer in our faith. This is the other portion. Hebrews 11, 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. How plain and simple is that, brothers and sisters? I talked about faith before. We have faith in the pilot flying an airplane. We don't see this guy. You get on the plane, and unless he comes back to do like they used to do, I don't know if they still do that. Once in a while, they prayed up and down the aisle to stretch your legs. I mean, having to be in that uh, confined area for as long as they do, you know, you get in a car and you drive down the highway, you have to do a cross-country trip or what have you, and you're in the seat for hours and hours and hours. You get out, you stretch, you stop at a restaurant, or you grab a cup of coffee and a snicker snack, and off you go, and you keep on going. Well, imagine that this man or woman is sitting in that little confined space, and you have an 18-hour flight. Yeah, they're going to get up and move around. So that's when you see them. But you have faith that there's somebody up there operating this ginormous jumbo jet or whatever it is that you're on. You have faith that they're able to fly it, that they even know how for crying out loud. You have faith in the mechanic to put this thing together and, and work on the engine. You have faith in your mechanic for that long road trip that you're taking across country. You put the car in the shop, have them tune it up, idle it up, and whatever you need to get done so that you can make the road trip. You have faith in them. How about having faith in Otis and the designer of the elevator and those that install them in these skyscrapers that go up numerous Flights. They have 80 stories tall skyscrapers and you jump on this device that's got a cable to it and up you go. People get in and out of elevators with no question, no qualms. They just jump in, push a button, away they go. You have faith that who's ever doing it is gonna, that it's going to work. 
But yet there seems to be such difficulty in saying, well, how am I supposed to have faith in God? I can't even see him. Because we walk in faith and not by sight. We must adopt that posture. We have to have faith in our God. You have faith in so many other things, brothers and sisters. Faith in God, the creator of all things. That's the substance of what we have. The substance of things that we hope to attain. The evidence of the things that are not seen. Look around. How is it that certain birds are able to even fly? They're not supposed to because their bodies don't, it doesn't register. Yet they do. And they're there, the different creatures. Look around. The stars hanging in the sky. And then, of course, there are those that will say, yeah, well, that's just the Big Bang and that's uh, leftovers. Well, eh, didn't work that way. <laughs> I don't believe. My faith tells me that God created all things and by his will, they stay and they hang and they're there. He gives us these signs and wonders to look at. How can you look around and not be thinking about God or there is a God and there's people that are even non-Christians that look at that and say, wow, I wonder if there is a God. And they question, I've heard people even speak it out loud. And just by a virtue of their speech, I could tell that they weren't a Christian, possibly, or they might be more of a cultural Christian. But they still had the wonderment of the power that was there. One of my favorite places to be and see this was in the Yosemite Valley in wintertime. Oh my goodness. Talk about God's mountains and his creation. Out there, there's no sound. The snow is absorbing everything. And there's very little people there, which is another reason why I like it because it gets a little rambunctious sometimes. But that elk come out and wander around sometimes looking for various things to munch on. Once in a while, you'll see a bear wandering across the fields. The bears that live in the valley don't hibernate all the time. They actually get up for their midwinter snack. Um, it's very interesting out there to watch and just the majesty and to look around out there. It's just absolutely wonderful. So... We have to have faith in God. God is our creator, and that's all he asks of us, to talk to him and have faith. Seek his face, brothers and sisters. This word that I read from this Bible, it's our instruction manual. He gave us these words for a purpose. And I shared with you that there's several locations in the Bible where it says that we need to be of strong courage God knew that all these things were coming and that it would be things that would draw our attention away. And uh, it talks about all of these things. And he tells us need to be strong, courage, not to be afraid. He's with us all the time. He's with us. And this is so important to us that we just... Hold on to these promises. Talk to God. Pray about it. God, God will lead us. The Holy Spirit will lead us, guide us. God will talk to us. He does speak. He will speak to you. 
here's the other important thing, that Jesus Christ came and sacrificed himself for us, but he prays over us every single day. Intercessory prayer on behalf of someone else. Intercessory prayer. He prays on our behalf every single day he's in prayer. And it's about us because he knows that God so loves the world. And he did that because he didn't want it to be like it was when Noah was trying to teach the people. And they just laughed and scorned him. You know, they did that to Jesus Christ when he went to Nazareth. Jesus Christ is from Nazareth. Nazareth is like a, it's a small community, maybe an annex to a city or or somewhere close. It wasn't really far, but this is where the trade people live. This is the masons and the carpenters and, you know, other uh, artisans, they live there. And to others, they kind of looked down at them and, you know, it was kind of a scrappy place to be and, of course, sometimes there are in those areas develop those unsavory locations, the bars and the pubs and hangouts and dives. And that was there. And it was actually said of Jesus Christ, oh, you're from Nazareth? Nothing good comes from Nazareth. And then when Jesus went back there, and and there's an old adage, years and years and years ago, I remember hearing this. Familiarity breeds contempt. Okay, there's a reason that was said, and that's an old saying. Jesus Christ went back to Nazareth in his walk and his teachings, and he went back there. He thought, this is going to be good. I'll go back. Mom's still there. His father's passed away. His earthly father's passed away. But his mother is still there. Some of you might remember the story of the wedding and Jesus turning the water to the wine. That's because his mother asked him to do a favor. It was actually the first miracle that he performed. And it wasn't yet his time, but he did that for mom. Remember this. Jesus Christ not only the only begotten son of God, but he was born of a woman from earth, the world that we live in. He had these feelings. He was man as well. And he loved his mom, went back there. But what he ran into in Nazareth was the fact that everybody used to remind him or did remind him that you're just a carpenter's son. Jesus, Messiah, miracle worker. What what are you talking about? You're just the carpenter's son. They scoffed in his face. They could not believe that this was Messiah's claims to be the son of God, the Messiah to come and save everybody or give everyone the opportunity to be saved if they believe him. They made fun of him. They laughed him to scorn because they kept reminding him, you're just the carpenter's son. You're just this or you're just that. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. You are not just anything except God's design and his purpose in you is much greater than anyone can ever imagine. Who would have thought Raven Whitehawk would be sitting doing a podcast? If anybody told me that, first of all, I would have laughed at him because, well, what's a podcast? There were not even cellular telephones. 
Boys and girls, that's how old I am. When I was growing up, we had a rotary telephone. Some may not even know what a rotary phone is. When I first started even being able to touch it or understand it, we only had five numbers. Sometimes when you picked up the phone, you could hear somebody talking because there was a party line. What's a party line? Well, you have to wait for somebody else's turn on the phone to be able to get into yours. Or if you have an emergency, you could actually click the zero button a few times and the operator would cut in and you say, I have an emergency call. Or then your neighbor who was already on the phone would say, oh, I'm sorry, let me hang up. I'll get back to you, Johnny, and hang up. And then you're allowed to make your call out. That's what it used to be like. That's how old I am. And uh, yeah, I remember the taste of dirt. Nowadays, they don't want their children to have, eat dirt. But let me explain this to you why I, I come back there. They, they, they laughed him to scorn. They just reminded him that he was just a carpenter's son. Well, Jesus Christ was not just the carpenter's son. He was also the only begotten son of God who was sent here for us. And in his own town... He was laughed to scorn. And that even happens sometimes now. I don't have a theological degree. And I have had certain individuals that will tell me that I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing in the way that I'm doing it because why? Couldn't actually give me a real reason except that, you know, I'm not a teacher and that uh, my teaching was not my place or other various words that were not exactly like that. But here's the thing. If I'm led by the Holy Spirit and I allow that to take place and the Holy Spirit tells me to share the word of God in this way and that I share it and he who has ears, let them hear. Numerous times through the Bible in the book of Revelation, it talks about that the angels are talking to John in his vision but at least eight, I think I counted eight times from Revelation 2 to Revelation 14 through the various verses, the angel was saying, he that has ear lets them hear. If you're listening to it and you can hear it and you can get information and knowledge and you can learn something from what is shared, how is somebody gonna tell you that you are not supposed to be doing that? And if it is the will of God, and I may have shared this with you before. I didn't know anything about this podcast. And that's why sometimes it uh, might seem a little haphazard. Just bear with me, please. Grade me on the curve. Uh, you might not understand that. If you're not old enough, you might not know what that means. Uh, anyway, it means to give me a break. Teachers used to grade on the curve to give students an opportunity so they wouldn't fail. It wasn't really cheating them, but it just altered the grading so that everybody had an opportunity and somebody wasn't left out and felt miserable. So that's why I'm saying this. So I prayed about what I should be doing because it was actually suggested of one of the individuals that maybe I should do a podcast because I can't be sharing the way I'm sharing. And it's like a, I had a captive audience, what have you. So now this is a free will opportunity. So yeah, that's a good idea. I prayed about it. I had no idea how or what I should do. 
Everything I looked at said that I could go anywhere from a thousand, uh, from a hundred dollars to a thousand dollars to set this up. I needed all sorts of special equipment. Well, I have what I need. God provides me with what I need, but I'm not exactly in the position that I used to be in, and I don't have a lot, so I can't just go out and do that sort of thing. So I prayed about it. I was in a little bit of anxiousness about it, but in the book of Philippians, Paul reminds us that we should be anxious for nothing. So I prayed about it. I let it go. I said, God, if this is your will for me to be able to do this, to be able to share your word, to spread the word to more people, the opportunity to share your word, and this is about you, God, you are praiseworthy. I just let it go. And the very next time I was looking about what I should do, I found this site that I'm on that was not readily visible before. And I mean, I was looking pretty good. And this came up, offered me this opportunity. The tutorials were so good. It was so great and free. I didn't need all sorts of special equipment. The only thing I had to do initially is set up on Wi-Fi, set it up and off you go. And I have this opportunity to share the word of God with so many more people. And he brought this to me. I just had faith unto it. So, brothers and sisters, I don't want to, as I said, I really don't want this to get too lengthy because I have a tendency to be verbose, as I've been told. But I don't want them to get lengthy. But listen only in part. If you like, you don't have to listen to the whole thing all at once and have it be, you know, like a Sunday service. I know I'm not a theologian. I haven't been to college in a degree. But what I do have is I have things that God shares with me. And what he shares with me is my love for my brothers and sisters in this world and this planet and the things that I was. And, and you know, speaking of that, too, <laughs> Let me jump back on that. This is going to get into those, this anecdotal thing that I said that I'd really try not to do. So anyway, here's the other thing about familiarity breeds contempt. You will always have somebody that thinks that they know you, but in reality, they knew you. What I mean by that is they knew how you were maybe in the past, And some might even claim that they know you from the past, but possibly weren't even old enough to know you from the past. They only know what they've been told or what's been said to them, but never actually even old enough to remember anything. But yet they throw everything up in your face. You've never changed. You'll never change. You're just the way you were, blah, blah, blah. While they weren't even old enough to remember. And sometimes the worst place that comes from as family members. You don't have an opportunity to share your change or your abilities or anything with them because why? Their familiarity with you bred contempt in their hearts and they didn't forgive you. They might say they forgave you, never did for whatever reason. This is just an example now. But if you do not truly forgive in your heart and you go to the past and pick these things up, You never forgive them. You will be bound by resentment, which turns to anger, then turns to aggression. It changes many things. 
This is why God takes things when we pray to him and, for, and he forgives us. He casts our trespasses into the sea of forgetfulness, it said. And it is as far from us as the east is from the west, and they don't meet. So that's how far away. However, we as people tend to, and the enemy will use us, we'll swim out into the sea of forgetfulness against the tide and go down there and pick up whatever that was, whatever that we used to drag around with us and pick it up and bring it back to shore and then go put it up in the attic of our memory and keep it up there. Oh, Lord, I remember this and I remember that. Why do that? You ask for forgiveness, God forgave it. Leave it out there in the bottom of that seabed. Why keep going back and getting up? We're the only ones that do that. God will never say, yeah, I forgave you, but remember when God is not a condemning God. He's a just God. There's a difference. God will never condemn us and say, yeah, you're coming to pray for me for that forgiveness, but don't you remember when I tossed that out there and you? God doesn't do that. The enemy will do that. And the enemy, being Satan, of course, and his minions, his serpents and scorpions, as are just described biblically, they will come and remind us of things or to get us to remember those things. They go up in our attic of memory. They like to kick around the boxes, stir up the dust and kick them over so that we hear this clanking of these things that we have stored in these boxes in our memory. And then we start digging around and rummaging in the stuff and we see things that we should never have even brought back and put up in our memory attic anyway. Should have just left it where it was. The only time that people are reminded to look back, and Joshua did this to the Israel nation when they were getting ready to go into the promised land, that God promised them. After taking them out of bondage, they grumbled and griped, so they wound up wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. Oh, for Pete's sake. Griped about everything that God provided for them. He brought them, separated the Red Sea, and they walked across with dry feet. And then he closed it up on the Egyptians, which pursued them. So he saved them there miraculously. He led them in the day with a pillar of cloud that that they were able to follow because he was guiding them. And at night, there was a pillar of fire for protecting, to let them look up and see that God was with them. And they griped about being hungry. Oh, look, he brought us out here so that we perish in this desert. We don't have anything to eat. He provided them with manna from heaven, heavenly bread. Out of nowhere, the bread was showing up, and he told them how to collect it and save it, and each and every day he fed them. Then they griped about having bread. They were tired of the heavenly bread. Then he brought them pheasants. Out there in the wilderness, flocks of these birds started flying to them and showing up. They collected them so they could eat. Joshua reminded them to look back what they had left behind not to remind them of necessarily the past, but to remind them that God was always with them. God is always with us. If we look back at anything, look back and remember everything that God was doing for us and how he held us up. There's an old print that expresses this. It's called the footprints in the sand. You know, and then you have the person that's going with God and says, God, where did you go? You know, I was... You know, we were going together and I was looking in the sand and there were two sets of prints and then you just left. 
And God just told him, said, you saw one set of prints in the sand, that's because I was carrying you. God had to tell him that those single footprints in the sand were not his, they were God's. And God was carrying him through the difficult time. This is what God does. God is always with us. Brothers and sisters, I love you. I'm going to cut off here because I can, honestly, I could go all day long talking about God and the Bible and the scriptures, and I don't want to do that. I want to kind of keep it down, and I've already gone over time. But again, listen to this in part. You don't have to listen to the whole thing all at one time. I love you. Have a blessed great day.